You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management archaeology and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 255 for December 28th, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Webster. On today's show, we talk about censorship online, specifically on Facebook. We then have a discussion in the last segment about 2022 and where we're going in 2023 as an industry. So get ready to report the comments about this episode because the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the show, everyone. Joining me today is Andrew in California. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Doug in Scotland. Hi, everyone. And Heather, also in California. Hi, everyone. Bill is currently gallivanting around Spain on his uh, European winter tour 2022. So we will not be hearing from him today. Just made me think. I wonder if he's coming home before he just goes to Portugal for the SHAs or is his intent to stay out there? Huh. I don't really know. But either way, Bill is going to Portugal, Lisbon, for the first week of January uh, to go to the SHA, the Society for Historical Archaeology Meetings. And he will be giving us either a report afterwards on his experiences there or uh, or both. Uh, he might be doing some interviews there, too. So look forward to that. If you are going to the SHAs and you're in CRM, look Bill up. He's probably the only like six foot five black man there. So he's not too hard to find. And, and if you can't see him... Voice. Exactly. If you can't see him, just listen for the deep, yes. uh, the deep tones of Bill White, and uh, you will pick him out in any room. <laughs> he stands out in this crowd in, in lots of good ways. This first segment, though, I just wanted to bring up something real quick and get your guys' opinions on it and, and you know, just kind of thoughts and, and how to handle things. I'm one of the admins of the Archeo Field Text group on Facebook, and it's a pretty active group, probably one of the most active groups for... Definitely CRM archaeology field technicians and and crew chiefs and it probably, if not the most active group, it's at least the most active one I'm aware of. If there's another one, I'm not in the group. So if there are, let me know. Uh, I'd love to join those. But I'm an admin in that group because I've been in there a long time. There's three of us. And sometimes we get reported comments. And I just wanted to comment in general on this because it's happened a couple times in the last few months where you get a post that kind of blows up and it gets lots of comments. And anytime a post gets lots of comments on anywhere on Facebook, there's going to be somebody that comes in and comes in a little hot with their opinions and maybe just, you know, can't keep control of their fingers a little bit. And some other people may get offended by some of the things that they're saying. Well, I just wanted to say in general, and maybe you guys are admins of other groups, or maybe you've reported comments in other groups. I want to see how you would feel about this if you were either A, the reporter um, or commenter, um, or the admin who has to deal with this. But generally, when I look at something, unless it's just like outright hate speech and nobody else is bothered to report it yet, that's usually not the case. If it's like hate speech, then more than a few people are going to report this. But if it's outright like hate speech, then we usually we none of us make an executive decision. We talk as three different people who have different experiences. There's two guys, one woman, and we're all in CRM archaeology at various levels. And we've all been in for at least 10 or 15 years. So we have some experience and we make a group decision on what to do about the reported comments. We do that for every decision regarding the group. Right. So no, no one of us is the, the quote leader. Um, there is no leader. So. We have reported comments and generally I look at the comment and I say, okay, has anybody else reported this? If this post has, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of comments and then, you know, lots of likes and follows or whatever the case may be, and only one person is reporting a handful of comments, I might just look at that and say, you know what? 
This might just be offending you, which I'm sorry about that, but I've got to let the group kind of decide what to do with this person. And that's generally where I fall on things. I'm a little less trigger happy on deleting or reporting comments. And if I do want to delete a comment, I'll suggest that we private message the person who made the comment to begin with and give them a chance to delete it first. Okay. I'll give them a chance to delete it before we delete their comments because it actually doesn't look too good for their Facebook profile if you're reporting, if you're deleting their reported comments all the time. So give them a chance to back off or, you know, uh, state their case or say it in a little better or even apologize for that matter if they think it's warranted. But I, I'm kind of along the lines of let the community decide, you know, again, unless it's outright like hate speech and it's damaging to somebody and it's obvious that that's the case. But if it's a little ambiguous or they just came in a little hot, I just would rather let the community decide. What do you guys think about that? I agree with you. I think, you know, just looking at it from an anthropological perspective, right? You know, we have our cultures have you know, certain expectations and different groups are, are, have different expectations, but the way that people find out that they are outside, they're being an outlier, they're, they're saying something that is outside what is typically, you know, understood as acceptable is for Mm -hmm. them to say that and be told that that's not okay. And I think that, you know, people can be offended and that's okay. I'm not saying that it's good for somebody. Well, I, I actually, I think I think that being offended when you're being when when you have that initial reaction, this is an opportunity. If you're the person who's offended, to understand, okay, why why am I offended? And you know, it helps you create mm-hmm. your own perspective on life, right? And where do you sit in the culture within? which you're interacting and to remove everything that is offensive, right? What's offensive to me? I mean, even in my marriage, <laughs> what's <Right>. offensive <laughs> to me, my husband's like, what the heck? Why did, why, why is that offensive <laughs> to you? You know, is, is, doesn't mean it's automatically wrong. And maybe even if it is wrong, sometimes people in life need to be told we're giving people an opportunity when they're being free and they're talking Right. And even if they're doing it in a malicious manner, sometimes people need to be told to shut up. Sometimes people, instead of just (laughs) being deleted, right, but being told, like, you know what, that's not cool. And, you know, I know we're not children, we're adults, but we still have parts of us that need that kind of like those bumpers in life. Right. And when you're on a space like that and people, you know, we all know people act differently on social media. Sometimes somebody needs a good like pop in the nose to say, you know what, that's not cool and that's not acceptable mm-hmm. in this group. And if you want to talk like that, then go somewhere else, right? But <laughs> I don't know. I, I I I do not like the censorship because I think what it does is it cleans everything up. And then when you have you see something you don't agree with, that allows you to solidify your your own beliefs, right? Or yeah. maybe. You now have seen another perspective. Let's say somebody says something that's offensive to you and then you comment mm-hmm. back and say, you know what, dude, that's not cool. And then the other person says, well, hold on a second. That's not really what I was saying. This is what I was saying. Right. If we have some kind of a normal dialogue, right, where we're actually discussing it and then it, both people have a better understanding at the end. Right. Yeah. Then I think that that's so much more valuable than just saying, oh, delete delete, delete to the point where if you were to do that and you had three people that have different perspectives, you already said that you, if you were to do that across the board, you'd have like such a clean, like nothing. It wouldn't be interesting to read. Yeah. Uh, I think we've, it's the, the position is probably so vague that it's, it's hard to have a, a comment, but in general, I'd say I can think of, areas where that shouldn't be there so like especially if you if you're in a a minority group whether that be you know any sort of you know ethnic minority sexuality mm-hmm. gender um right. you know wherever wherever it is if, if if you happen to be in that minority group you're probably going to get real tired not you're probably not <laughs> you are going to be real tired of people saying mm-hmm. stupid shit all the time and yeah. it's it's also one of those things where like somewhat to um heather's point of like and again 
I don't think Heather was t- thinking about this when she was saying this and whatnot, but like a lot of times those conversations don't go with like, oh, hey, I, I think your perspective is, is, is wrong. And then the, there's that nice exchange of information back and forth. That's not how that goes. Like I've been in archaeology Facebook groups in the UK and then it suddenly turns into like the Hitler youth um, about <laughs> my, uh, my migrants. And and it doesn't matter. Like, so I lived through this and I have to like, I went through what they call the hostile environment. It costs us tens mm-hmm. of thousands of pounds, nights of sleep, of no sleep. It was horrendous. And I know, yeah. I know the laws inside and out. And I could do, I, and I did, I would do, you know, good like Facebook monologues of like, you know, 500, 600, 700 words explaining that like, no, these people have got the laws wrong. We aren't coming to steal your jobs, yada, yada. It doesn't make any difference. And mm-hmm. like, to be honest, I don't think like, I, I, again, sorry, Heather, I don't mean to pick on what you said, but I think a lot of people are their honest selves on social media. And a lot of people <laughs> are honestly lazy. Like when it comes down to it, like a lot of people will say stupid and arrogant or ignorant or just downright being an asshole. And honestly, it shouldn't be on the people they're being an ass to asshole to to educate them. It's because those people are too lazy. And and ninety eight percent of the time I found they're too lazy to ever change as well. They're not gonna go out and educate themselves about like and you can pick yeah. anything. You can pick any any you know the people who are not going to go out there and educate themselves about how why black people are not horrible you know criminals or wherever they believe they're not going to educate mm-hmm. themselves about how like homosexuality is not a sin all this sort of thing like you can pick whatever you want where i'm going with this is like if you're in that target group and like people i, I do see it and, I, and and it always jumps back with like oh we're just going to let you know free speech happen and stuff but like it gets super super old having to have the same conversation year after year with a new idiot who comes in who, who won't spend the time to educate themselves they won't they won't do it so you have to and it just becomes exhausting and you know what i pull out of those groups like and i think that's what actually what you're going to see is you won't see it because there's not going to be a big blow up where someone says i quit and they're not going to message you and say this is the reason i'm leaving this group they're just going to leave that group and eventually if you let a lot of that stuff fly you're basically going to have a bunch of sort of not nice people in that group because all the other people have been chased away because it was it was meant to be an educational moment, but people got really sick of having to educate people mm. who won't be educated. Sorry, yeah. that was a pretty long rant, but like <laughs> I, I, on my end, I I'm I mean it, it's tough, and so that's and those are very specific. Yeah, but where well, do you stop very... it? And 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 I don't. I mean, to me, I'm not saying that people are being dishonest. I'm saying people talk differently on social media. There's more, many people when they're face to face, they're not going to say the same things. I mean, it's just known. They're not going to say the same things that they say on social media. That's where I'm saying is when people are communicating, they communicate differently on social media and they could be very honest. It's just maybe too honest (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it's easier to do it behind the keyboard. Right. But I, I just think, where do you, where do you stop with it? Right. That then that was my main point. Where do you stop with the censorship? Because there may be things that that I, I don't like. Like I th- I think that in societies we're focusing, you know, it kind of it just moves who we decide to abuse, uh, not abuse next, but who do we s- decide to marginalize next? You know, it's just the nature of society. It shifts, right? Eighteen hundreds, yeah. it was Irish. Went through a lot of, I mean, horrible things in this country. The Irish did, right? That's not the same mm-hmm. thing now, right? Now, now we're just ma- marginalized as, uh, you know, drunk, happy, fun people, right? But, <laughs> you know, it's sure. it it shifts. So exactly when when do you stop it? And what offends me doesn't offend. I do think that there are certain things that just cannot be allowed. But to have it, there's a difference between actual really hurtful stuff and somebody just offended because the person didn't say it exactly how they thought they should say it. And to me, a lot of times that's where people are offended. 
Okay, I just think it's important to remember in all this that all social media platforms are just the asshole of the world. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's all fake. It all, mm-hmm. as Heather was Agreed. saying, it all brings out sort of the worst in people. They would never say that stuff to you in person. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, they just feel duty bound to be horrendous dicks. But it's funny. Some of us are like that and some of us are not. I'm not here to tout how highfalutin I am, but I've never downvoted a video in my life. I've never made a mm-hmm. negative comment mm-hmm. in my life on yep. any of those platforms. If there's something I really don't like, I just change the channel. Remember right. that? You know, but <laughs> if and if you're trying to be an administrator in any social media platform, you're literally a referee in a mud wrestling match. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, yeah. who's winning? Oh, I don't know. You know, it's just all crap. It's all horrible for us. And I know I sound like grandma, but that's that's the truth. And I think many of us have experienced it. I just recently had my um, my my Graham Hancock video, which is at 11,000 views, my friends. Oh, my God. I know. Wow. <laughs> and dude, but read the comments. They are like all negative. And I, and I have a whole I explain it actually in the pseudo archaeology podcast here, my experience with that. But yeah, basically, they're all negative. And it's just like Doug is saying, you get this, you get the same thing over and over and over. And it's like, you didn't read the previous comments there. He said that 4000 times the same negative crap. And I just deal with it through humor. I just like, you know, add a humorous post. But in terms of being an admin in that good luck, I mean, you've lost before you've begun. Anyway, that's my mm-hmm. that's my sort of two cents on that. Yeah, well, I think, uh, Andrew, what Andrew did does is exactly what other people do is Andrew just tunes out on that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's going to happen. And when you are running community, it's going to come down to, there is not any sort of like, let the community decide. Cause it's actually, it's, it's on you. You're, you're well, you and the three admins or two other admins, like you end up owning it. And it, it depends. Basically you set the tone um, mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people, I would rather, you probably should be a bit more honest and just say, this is the tone we're setting and this is what we accept and what we don't. And then people will accept it or not. But like that whole tossing it, uh, and, and that comes with a lot of like, as Andrew said, you're basically damned the moment you become an admin. Like Chris, <laughs> there's there's no winning yeah. when you do that but you do <laughs> basically true. have to make that decision and tossing it to the crowd or the the community to decide you're going to quickly end up with like a community of psychopaths um like <laughs> like that's, that's, that's how that goes yeah, yeah well, but, but that well, but why but just, look at this in the real world look at this in the re- you're at a party and there's a jerk. I was actually recently at a party and this guy was being a complete jerk. And he's and I looked at him and I assessed him up and down. I'm like, you know what? I you're I'm not going to get anywhere with you. I'm not going to I'm not even going to waste my time with you. So I turn around and I leave. Right. I don't leave the party, but I leave him. And eventually people do that. And the person sitting in the corner realizing, you know what? Nobody wants to play with me. So yeah. maybe either either I'm just going to leave or eventually I'll start realizing, you know what, this isn't cool. And I know social media is different, but if we keep like trying to clean and scrub everything, there's no dialogue. And I understand like Doug, if you're saying there's certain things, I guess it maybe because we're not discussing what's the percent, like how, how often would you actually delete a comment? And so maybe if we were to say, maybe we'd be more aligned on our perspective on this, but to me, I'm getting, just seeing people complain and and they want everything deleted except for what aligns with what they believe. That's not right. And and to them, if you don't believe the way they believe, then they want every then they want you removed. And that's that's just not playing well with the, with the, with others. Yeah. And that does not encourage a well rounded society. It just doesn't. So, you know. Yeah. Andrew, I, I was just going to 
uh, sort of, I was going to try and bring it together and agree with everyone. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, I would say uh, I do want to just agree on Doug's point first about the sort of you know, the psychopath aspect or whatever. It sounded extreme when Doug said it, but that is totally my experience where people, I guess, like yeah. me, you know, vaguely relaxed average people go away and you do have this psycho on psycho, you know, diatribe, which is worthless for everyone. So I, I just wanted to, you know, say like, but then yeah, you have like, a psycho party. And the yeah, psycho but, party can stay with the psycho party. Yeah, but then it's just worthless <laughs> and it's just sort of cheapening okay. everything. It's I think we're really talking about the natural ebb and flow of the awfulness, which is social media. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's different. It's different than than a party where. You know, now it's just right. Yeah, I, I would I would just add, like, Heather, I think you have a much higher opinion of humanity than I do. (laughs) If that person, like, in my experience, if that person's suddenly alone at that party, they're not going to realize they're doing something wrong. They're just going to go butt into, like, a group of other people um, and force their views upon them or their their thoughts no, but eventually, or their rants. If, eventually they're going to be by themselves. It might take a little longer. I'm just, yeah. I honestly, I'm 51 years old. I've never seen more censorship in my life than in this time period of our society. And I see more mm-hmm. ugliness. And that Ooh. to me just isn't. I'm, I'm like, when we come back from the break, I'm going I'm I'm to have, I'm going to have to like, disagree from a factual point on that (laughs) well no i mean obviously okay you want to take it to all the issues that we've had you know many many years ago i'm talking about just interaction of everyday people i'm not talking about like all the civil rights issues and and everything the ugliness of people i'm talking about honestly you're right you and i do have a different perspective on life i think i think generally people are good i really do I think you have some really rotten, ugly, horrible, ugly people, but I think that it definitely dilutes the idea of ugliness and hate when everything somebody says could say something accidental is hate speech. It detracts from the actual hate speech. And that is a disservice because we need to, we really need to jump on true hate speech. And when you say that everything is hate speech, where somebody says something accidentally or somebody says something because they're just not aware. okay, and that's hate speech. Now we've diluted the idea of hate speech. And that's my point. And I do think that generally people are well-meaning, good people that, you know what, sometimes they just don't have the life experience yet and they need it explained to them. And that's my point. I think more to your point, Heather, too, this has to do solely with the fact that the Internet exists now and people are bolder with their yes. fingers than they are with their mouths. And it's they're, you know, they're, they're more willing. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, that, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I would love to see a sketch comedy show. And I wouldn't doubt if Saturday Night Live or somebody's already done this, but a, a sketch comedy show where people are at a party and there's like one or a couple people sitting in the corner. And if you're just sitting there having a conversation with somebody, maybe there's a little group of three or four people and somebody says something you don't like, you walk over to the people in the corner, and you say, I'm reporting their comments right now and do it in real time and see how absurd it is. You know what I mean? Like we're only doing it in Facebook groups. We don't do it in interactions with other people generally. I mean, if it gets real bad, you call the police or, you know, you talk to their supervisor or something, but you know, but, and that's the, the social media version of that is it takes way less to invoke that sort of response. So, all right, well, this has been a really long segment. We're going to hopefully shorten the other two. I always say that and then it never (laughs) happens. And we end up with an hour and a half long show, but this will probably end up being a shorter segment because I'm going to edit all of your comments down to something that fits my narrative. We'll be back in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the CRM Mark podcast, episode 255. And uh, we're talking Facebook comments and and censorship, essentially. That's that's really what we're talking about here. But Doug, you had a, a couple more things to say on Heather's comments. Yeah, it, well, it was, it's coming at it from like a historical and archaeological perspective on just the comment of like censorship. Mm-hmm. I would say like I do think that a lot of people feel like there is censorship out there. And I, I feel like a lot of it actually comes down to being called out for being an asshole and people not like being like being called out for being an asshole. Because like if if you look at historically censorship, even in like communities, I mean like we're talking you know Puritans, 
man, the level of censorship that went on there in communities and exercising. I mean, you, you know, there's a, the Scarlet Letter is an entire play about like how a community ostracized people for not following their views. Um, and that, that was the nice side of things. I mean, if we're talking like censorship, Soviet Union, I mean, China right now where, yeah, basically they have mass incarcerations and of entire ethnic groups and all that sort of stuff. Like, I, I just, I feel like when people say that there's been more censorship than there has ever been, it's more that those people have been in a dominant group for a long time have have developed opinions and people have to, now just told been able to tell them that those opinions are not the opinions of everyone and that's that's i think that's actually what comes down to a lot of like the sort of social media aspect of things is there's now a lot of people who can put out opinions and contradict people mm. and everyone feels like that censorship and whatnot i think this comes back to like you know communities it's not necessarily censorship if you just say that those are the rules and you can join the community or you don't have to yeah and you make that decision and you you've you've said what's acceptable or not and you are willing to live with the consequences of that some people are not going to join that group and you might end mm-hmm. up with a group of psychopaths because those are yeah. the only people who are are happy with whatever rules you decide but yeah, I I think it is a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't like situation there that you're in, Chris. But yeah, I mean, and, and we're probably I've probably taken it to like the harder core aspect. I'm sure there's some people who are annoyed that like I'm sure you've probably got a comment of like they used may or they used can instead of may in their sentence, which is just silly. But <laughs> I, I'm sure there's some silly stuff like that, but I, I'm pretty sure a lot of it is people in the community as putting out their views of what they want that community to be like. Um, mm-hmm. And you eventually have to decide what you want that community to be. And certain people will stay in that community or not. Um, yeah. And you're just going to have to make that call. Well, to be fair, we, we probably don't get as many reporter comments as some groups do, right? It, it's only every maybe month and a half, two months, maybe even that we get some reported comments. And it's usually on, you know, just on posts that that really get hot. You know, they they, they go viral on, on the group anyway. And they've got a lot of play. And at some point, somebody's going to say something that somebody doesn't like when you've got that many comments. And, and then they get reported. And the quality of the reported comments, I have to say, too, is also actually pretty good. Um, it, it's, it is things that give you pause to consider and say, well, yeah, maybe this person probably shouldn't have said this. But then where I come in, at least from my point of view, is the type of group that we're in, right? This is a group of supposedly educated people, <laughs> universally almost, because except for very few exceptions, you know, you've at least got a college degree to be an archaeologist. And not that that does anything for you, but that tells you the 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 level of education of the people in the group, right? Which should say, say something about a population. Um, and we all belong to other groups. I belong to some, you know, an RV content creators group. I belong to some, a lot of other RV related groups, to be honest with you, you know, around campgrounds and maintenance and stuff like that. And they do have very specific rules around no political talk, no this, no that. We don't actually have those rules because we're all anthropologists. And it's really difficult for me to sit there and try to censor in in certain ways. I, I'm not saying we don't censor because we will absolutely remove comments if you know, if we think it's necessary and they really are, you know, something that we've decided. But my threshold for that is just a lot lower with this particular group. I say I should say a lot higher for this particular group. I don't want to censor as much because of the type of people we have. You know, we have, again, people who are anthropologists who are supposed to be looking at the world in a slightly different way and who are supposed to be, you know, educated about the world in a slightly different way. So I would more rather let the community handle it a little bit and then maybe they will delete their own comments or, you know, have a dialogue about it. And then if they don't, then we step in. Right. And and then, and then, like I said, I don't just go straight to deleting the comments either. I, I, I like to go talk to the person first if they're willing to respond 
and and have a dialogue with them on the back end and say, here's what's been reported, not by who, but here's what's been reported. You know, I'll give you a chance to re- revise or remove your own comments if you see fit or stick to your guns and we'll take them out anyway, because that's what the community has wanted. So I don't know. I give this group a little more leeway is what I'm saying. So so as far as Doug's comments, Doug, your comment on, you know, like uh, China, Russia, things like that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about this this segment of society and for the most part, the Western world, right? So we're not talking about China. People in China are not looking at these. Well, they're not looking at the, the uh, channels that we're talking about. And so, and, and my point is, and maybe we are talking on the same level here, or we, we may agree. We're just, <laughs> mm-hmm. my thing is it's intent. Right. So if somebody's intentionally trying to harm somebody, what I see, and, and I've been a moderator too, what I see a lot of uh, can be sometimes that gets out of control. And it, again, I think what Chris is saying, and none of us are disagreeing with when somebody is truly being hateful, right? I'm talking more about censoring people that don't agree with your side. Uh, with your perspective. And that's, we want that in society. We want people that disagree with each other. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. That's how we see other perspectives. If every, if, I, if I'm talking to somebody, I want friends and, and maybe people are different, you know, and, and then you find a channel that everybody agrees, right? There's, there's plenty of those on Facebook that, that um, differing perspectives are not going to even touch. Yeah. But for me personally, I want friends from all over. Um, society, because I I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to hear different perspectives, and the only way to do that is to be respectful of another person's perspective. Now, when they're being a jerk, then you tell them they're being a jerk, okay? But that doesn't mean that automatically they are now an evil person, never to be ever thought about, listened to ever again. People have different perspectives, and I think that as a as a society, we need those different perspectives and to for people to be looking for, which is what Andrew is bringing up, that like here he has a, he has this, you know, this video and it's all negative. And, and that is what I see is that people are always looking for the negative. Okay. And I, I just, to want to shut somebody down and to automatically, I think a-hole, the word a-hole is mm-hmm. way overused. I mean, somebody may just not understand what it is that you're saying. Like when yeah. you have an argument with somebody that you know, and, and immediately right now I'm mad at like you, why would you say something like that? Uh, again, back to my husband, why in the world would you say something? Like, and then after a discussion, he and I, I realized, okay, that's not what he meant. Okay. And that's, yeah. that's where we need to get to more in society. When I'm talking about censorship, I'm talking about when we're trying to shut somebody down, as soon as they say something that we're upset with instead of having a conversation we just want to eliminate them from the conversation does not help anyone mm-hmm. unless of course it's you know it it hits the level of true hate speech okay yeah but and listen I, i've been a minority i worked my first career i was you wouldn't even believe the things that, that were said to me okay mm. but i was able said to me done to me i mean literally trying to hurt me, being threatened that they want, they were going to rape me in the parking lot in a dark night. I mean, Jeez. but the way that I decided to handle that uh, definitely got me a lot further in life. And I was able to turn a lot of people's minds around through conversation. Now, obviously I called the police on the guy that threatened me. but you know that's too far right but when i had somebody who you know calls me whatever kind of word a bitch or whatever because uh, i don't know if i could say that word sorry it's too late yeah (laughs) then you know i'm telling you there's a lot of people that through conversation and through me just being who i was and sticking with who i am right like having this fortitude of i believe this is who this is how I believe. And you know what, when I listen to you, sometimes you might change my mind, but sometimes you make me solidify my thought even more. And by Mm -hmm. me standing and being true to who I am, that gives that person opportunity to look and say, okay, what, what am I saying that might be off? Right. Yeah. So, 
anyway, that's my perspective. A couple of different comments on different things. One is like, so Chris, I don't know what the word is. It's not ethnocentricism, but probably the same thing of Chris, because you're an archaeologist, you want to think the best of archaeologists slash anthropologists. <laughs> and you, I, I think you've really elevated us in your mind. I appreciate that, that you've put me on a pedestal of goodness. But mm-hmm. I, I, I think people are just people. And I put this in the comments, but it's like the 80-20 rule. rule. And like, yeah, 80% of people of archaeologists will be good, but there's definitely 20% that are, are ragers, just, just ragers, um, rage about everything, um, angry, mean, horrible people. Uh, I, I don't think archaeology escapes that anyway. I have not seen any getting a degree, I don't think has changed anyone from being too much of a bigot. Maybe possibly the experience of being at a university and exposed to different groups outside of their normal community might do it. But like the actual process of getting a degree, a degree is not there to do that. It's not to, to make you a, a, a better human being. Um, it's, I mean, I guess technically it depends if you're maybe a philosophy major and focusing on something like that. But um, uh, it was just- You're right. It it's the, whole, it's like, the whole process. The whole process yeah. of university, like you said, which should make somebody a little more, you know, accepting of other cultures and things like that, not just the degree itself. I I, I think potentially, but you could get that anywhere else. Uh, I I don't. Well, uh, this might be my this might be just bias, sample bias, but I don't think I've seen it making any sort of difference in that outside of like people who didn't get a degree. I find have the same level of crazy meanness as the people who did get a degree. So I, I was just to say is I, I think we're slightly putting archaeologists on a little bit of a pedestal there. Um, I think we're all just people and human. And yeah, um, I'm not sure if there's anything that we've going through the process of getting becoming an archaeologist or anthropologist will make you a better human being on Facebook. Um, I wish it was true, but I, I, I don't think I've seen that in my experience. Well, let me comment on that real quick before you get okay. too much into it. I, I can't comment on too many things at one time. So yeah. I, I wasn't necessarily putting archaeologists on a pedestal and saying that they're all good because they're archaeologists, right? I, I was really saying that they're more – I, 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 w- I want to give a little more censorship leeway to this group of people that has, you know, at least studied and 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 potentially, you know, read up on and even done their own work regarding communities that were possibly, um, I don't know, communities that were uh, marginalized or something like that, you know, at least read about stuff like that. So it's, it's a little more, you know, I know where people are coming from when it comes to this group of people. Like I said, if I'm in a, if I'm in an RV maintenance group, it could literally be people from any walk of life and any job, any industry, any, anything. And you have to have some, some rules around the conversation there. But when we're talking about a group, an industry related group of professionals, then I, then I generally know something, at least something, a little, one tiny little aspect of their background that we all share in common, right? And that is our education and our work experience for the most part. And that's why I'm saying I want to give them a little more leeway because it's a community of people that should be, for the most part, policing themselves. You know what I mean? So, and I wouldn't give that leeway if I were an admin in another type of group that wasn't focused around a particular thing, regardless of the industry. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, fair enough. I'm going to, guys, I got to go make dinner. So I'm going to just <laughs> do one last, uh, I'm going to do that wonderful, like last, last comment out. Um, and then, and then you I'm going to totally talk about you after you leave. Oh uh, yeah, 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 but no, no. It's it's how we end all social media thing. You just gotta make sure you get the last comment in. But it was it was kind of just to go back to a point where this this idea of like real hate speech and stuff, and like like for a lot of people, like ah, Trump, he just said the the things you say in quiet out loud, like for a lot of people. Uh, yeah, for a lot of people, but like they were always there, and it's it's a real. I think it's it's one of those things where like you can be a real jerk, you could be a, a Nazi, but if you say it like we're putting now a standard of it's how you deliver it mm-hmm. that, that that's bad as opposed to what you're actually delivering. If you're drawing the line, and, and Heather, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, and I, obviously like when the guy um, this is probably not exactly what you meant, so please do correct me, but. I'm sort of probably going off from a tangent of what you actually meant, Heather, um, is that, <laughs> yeah, like, um, you know, obviously when 
the guy was like, you know, he was threatening to kill and rape you and stuff like that. Obviously very horrendous. But I think behind that is the person's intention of wanting to destroy you or not to, you know, denying your existence of as a human being. And I think there's a slight issue, especially on like a lot of social media, where things will be acceptable and that you get those people who who, who run that line. Like I, I think probably Andrew will have this with the Graham Hawk wait, what's his last name? The the big pseudo Hancock. guy. Mm-hmm. Hancock. Yeah. He doesn't he's very good. Because all all of his followers are able to say, well, Hancock has never said anything racist about how, like, he hates black people, yada, yada. Well, he's not. He's just very – he's just put out nice words that, like, brown people are too stupid to do anything. Um, And it was all done by white people (laughs) and aliens. But it's not in those words. Like, he's he's done it very elegantly. And you get a lot of people who are like that. Um, And so – I think it's a really tough part on those groups because you you end up with like, well, they didn't actually threaten to kill you. No, they just politely said that you shouldn't exist. Um, you shouldn't have a right to any of the rights that I enjoy. But they said it with a polite smile, so it's okay. Um, and, and that's the same. I mean, like when you run into the, these groups, these people will be like, oh, no, no, no. I swear I'm, I'm not a Nazi. I'm not a Nazi. I mean, I am just repeating the same words that the Nazi said, but in a polite way. And I... I, I don't think politeness should be ha- have an influence on these discussions about what is what is and is not appropriate behavior. Obviously, uh, aside from like it out. should be appro- appropriate behavior, but like a lot of it is, it's not so much how they deliver it; it's what the message is. Like you, but you got to figure what, out what that message is, though. First, Doug. So that guy made it very clear when he said he was going that he wants to do that. He made his message clear what he was doing. Now, somebody else could come up to me and could say, you know, I don't think you belong out here. And just for context, people, I I refereed professional hockey for many years. And that's so that was the environment that this incited people. And this back in the 90s. All right. And to the early 2000s. And so when that would happen, I can't automatically assume when a guy says, I don't belong out here, that he is on the same plane as telling somebody telling me that he wants to rape and kill me out <laughs> outside in the dark parking lot. So like, there's a point where you have to d- make a decision of like somebody saying, I don't belong out here is not the same as the person who said the other, right? So that should be shut down, immediately removed, and he should be dealt with. This other guy who says that he doesn't think I belong out here, okay, let's have a discussion. Let me show you and tell you why I belong here. And I'm telling you, I, my experience, I have did it for 35 years I was in that world, and people, and I'm still in that world to some degree, people, can't, their minds can be changed. And, and that's what society should be about. You can't change mind without discussion. You just can't. When you eliminate somebody, you don't change their mind. You just eliminate them. So I do think that sometimes they need to be eliminated, but I think some. I think more often than not, it's a discussion. Oh. I guess I'd just end with, um, I don't think, Heather, you should have to be the person who has to do that. Well, that's my decision. Which, I wanted to do that. I don't want people yeah, yeah. fighting my battles for me. And you know what? I didn't get to the level that I was at in that world by letting somebody else fight my battles for me. I didn't want to do that. And you know what? It, it made me the person that I am right now. I'm tough as a cookie. I'm successful because of it. And I learned something about myself. I learned that in that 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 grittiness. Mm-hmm. That that grit is what has made me successful moving on. And that grit is what solidified my beliefs in, in society, my belief. And, you know, whatever, I, I think I was exposed to a lot more than a, most people. And I still have a positive view of people. So, Well, I think this goes back to my point in the first part is like a lot of people just get really tired of it and don't want to have to do that. And so it then goes to the the admins to sort of take that on the wonderful job of being an admin. And I think that comes down to the community. Cause I think a lot of people will, they just, they'll, they'll assume that actually it's not worth discussing this with yahoos. Cause honestly, 90 some percent of the time, it doesn't seem like it changes their mind. Um, and so I think that's, that's the thing is like when you let a lot of these things slide because you're letting the community do it, you're just putting out a lot of people who probably have gotten a lot of this, 
and it's just gonna like it's not for everyone to maybe maybe for some people it is to stand there um, and argue on Facebook back and forth. But a lot of people, I think, it's just gonna leave um, wherever the community is, and then you end up with a group of psychopaths, which is how I've seen mm. so many communities go. So I, I guess my point is like Chris, I, I would. I would be a lot more heavy-handed with the, um, uh, if you want to call it censorship, I would just call it curating, curating the voices of people who are not psychopaths. And uh, that, that would be my advice, is a good curated anything is actually yeah. amazing. Sure. I, I hear you. Depends on the, the rules of curation, though. You know, who sets the rules? That's where we all struggle. But all right. This has been a lot. It's been great. Um, we're going to come back and, and have a lighter segment three on the other side of the break. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the Sierra Motor Podcast, episode 255. I'm sure the first part of the show was only about 10 minutes long because I edited out pretty much everything Doug said and, uh, you know, included my own comments. So uh, we love Doug. <laughs> we love you, Doug. <laughs> Doug, he told me to just curate my life and, and how it, the things I'm yeah. administering and I'm administering <laughs> this podcast. So I curated him out of it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So, but he did have to leave and that's just a coincidence. <laughs> so he's not in this segment. Um, so we're going to, we're going to lighten it up just a little bit and, and talk about 2022, 2023 as a whole and, and kind of where we're at here. And I, Heather, I want to start with you obviously and, and get your sense of, I guess, 2022 overall, how it kind of went in the CRM industry and the region you work in after mm -hmm. the chaos of 2020 and 2021 and, and how all that does. How's this all kind of shaken out is everything back to normal or are you guys still in no. scramble mode with too much work <laughs> scramble we're definitely in scramble mode and i don't see it changing i you know in in the beginning it was everybody's just like we are assuming we're going to slow down and then because of certain things that were going on during the pandemic to adjust for stuff and yeah. all around and i'm not even going to get into that we ended up being busier right than we had mm. been before and I think a lot of changes happened also in the CRM world as far as larger companies buying up smaller companies, at least here in California, there's a lot of shifting around going in that direction. And then that, I would say for 2022, some of the big things were the clients were done with the excuses of COVID. Uh. So they put like, and not that we, we didn't, we were always trying to deliver but I think yeah. in general, for their vendors, for the people they hire, they were sick and tired of people using, and we all know people have done it, the excuse of COVID to not do their job in a timely manner, in a proper manner. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I saw a lot of clients asking for very unreasonable deadlines, <laughs> thinking that if we ask for you have it done in a month, maybe we'll get it done in three months. So they're... Uh. And, but and so for some people that are like not oriented towards really trying to deliver what the client wants, that might not be that much of a big deal. But for for somebody who does say, OK, I agree to this, I will I will do it, uh, made it very, very uh, stressful. Contracts changed because of that. Like we never really sometimes you would see in contracts where they had like, if you don't meet this deadline, you know, but we saw it a lot more in 2022. Mm -hmm. Another thing was people hiring people became a lot more difficult. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of this talk about, you know, go and get the most that you can. And I'm, I am not against that. Fine. Go get the most you can, but understand what your range is. Understand what your capabilities are. Don't come in and say, I just graduated with a BA and I want 120,000 a year. You know, yeah. with this concept that you a big environmental firm, you guys make a million dollars, you know, like billions of dollars. That's not how it works. And I've said yeah. this over and over again. The, the profit margin is <laughs> is small in CRM. It really is. And in environmental overall. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can't just come in and say, you know, I've got you and, and you're going to give me whatever I want. And there was a lot of that. A lot of people just delusional. You know, when we were talking and interviewing people and, and looking for people to, to fill spots. So I, I would think, you know, uh, hiring was difficult. And, and with that said, I'll, I'll say uh, there's nobody who fights harder 
for the people on my team to get the most amount of money they can. But it's also a business decision. So, and you also have to be able to produce. So I think the main thing was it did not slow down. It got crazier. The parameters on us for contracts and work became more strict, uh, put a lot more stress on certain people on the team and overall hiring for as many jobs were out there and and as many people looking for work. uh, Yeah. It, Hiring was a major challenge this year. Mm-hmm. I think just one comment, just stuff I've seen, you know, on on obviously social media, but just just conversations with with people uh, in other industries. I, I've had been fortunate enough to work in another industry that I didn't even know uh, I was. I guess, qualified for, for the last few years, uh, nothing related to archaeology at all. And in just conversations with people that work in this industry and then other people that work in at this company, um, again, nothing involved even with the environmental, um, the environmental space. It just, they're floored at uh, whatever we talk about. They're like, oh, you know, you know, how much does an archaeologist make? You know, people just boldly ask that. And I, you know, I get into it a little bit and say, well, it depends on where you're at and stuff like that. But generally this, you know, and in the, in these spaces and they're always floored at how, I guess, low that is. Right. Mm -hmm. And especially working in say California and Southern California, I mean, good on you to try to get people as much money as they can. But you, like you said, it's a, it's a business decision, but I mean, how do we, this isn't the conversation for this show, obviously, but I mean, how do we raise up the, that floor as a whole? You know what I mean? That range, I should say, the floor to ceiling range of what an archaeologist gets paid. Sure. Try to get them the maximum, but even the maximum is too low in a lot of cases to just live on, uh, depending on where you're at and, and comparing it to other educated industries. You know what I mean? Like somebody mm-hmm. might be asking for 120 and you say, well, you're not qualified for that, but like, like maybe that should be the number, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like for, well, for that level. <laughs> well, I think, I think though, there's a lot of, and we've had this discussion, people are not being prepared in university for the reality yeah, of yes. you grow in your career. There's a progression. You don't get out of college and you're making that amount of money. Like it's not just all archaeologists should make this amount of money. You yeah. have a certain skill set. You pay your dues in the beginning and you move up the ladder. And, you know, we've talked about this. My company has, as we've worked hard to have as rewarding of a field path, career path, as there is mm-hmm. a project management path. Right. Yeah. So I believe that strongly, but there's, you know, the field work, just think about it. You have a couple people that are writing, right? And then you have, you need a lot of people digging. So mm-hmm. you're not going to have it, the the cost, the, the amount of money we can bill people out that are excavating in the field is going to be less. It's just going to be less. I mean, you're going to have the supervisors and stuff, but not everybody across the board is going to make the same amount of money. And you have to understand that, you know what, there's in life, I may want to, I trust me, I dream about having a coffee shop. I would love to have, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I've, I've got like this, this idea in my head of how much I would just, and sometimes when I'm writing, I'm like, oh my God, I just, I just want to make espressos. I just, <laughs> I just want to have a cute little coffee shop with lots of little crafts in it. And, you know, but I'm not going to make the money I want to make doing that. And so yeah. I, if I want to have a certain lifestyle, I'm going to have to do a certain level of job. It's yeah. not, a, you, you can't just say, I want this. I mean, if that's the case, you could be sitting doing nothing and making yeah. 120 an hour. So there's people just need to be more realistic and have to understand that there's something that they have to work towards and they will get there if they work hard. But you can't just, it's not time and grade. For some it is. Yeah. And maybe if we go the union way, it would be. But it's I don't think that's a good way to go. The time and grade idea is just not anyway. Yeah. I, I we're going we're well, getting off the beaten path here, but yeah. Yeah. Well what I heard is uh professors and universities suck. Andrew go. <laughs> well I just I can't believe that you've pulled the lid off like that to the honest truth. We indeed all to a person suck. 
Anyway, I uh, I heard that from Grant Hancock actually. Yes, so, yes, he's he's yeah. uh, absolutely correct. Uh, again, I just I feel like a weight's been lifted that I can finally tell the truth. Um, that, and, and I know the archaeological cabal is going to have me assassinated within the next twenty four hours. Um, More than likely. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this time to just brag about myself again for the first time ever. You know, you guys are like what? Um, in terms yeah. of, of what's happening in 2023, just the other day, I got interviewed for American Archaeology Magazine, which is fancy. I know, dude, uh, which is through the Archaeological Conservancy. It's mm-hmm. the magazine they, they put out. I really like that magazine. But they interviewed me about CRM. They were asking mm-hmm. me about, you know, where I saw CRM going in the future, what I what uh universities should do in terms of CRM. And I basically talked about the crazy dichotomy where universities are closing their CRM programs as the need is increasing, you know, and Mm -hmm. that was just uh, really fun and interesting to talk about. I I brought up the, um, the 2020 article by Jeff Alstuhl and Terry Klein about the forecast of the CRM industry market, basically, you know, that in time, they're going to need more CRM people and there's mm-hmm. nobody with that kind of focus or skill set, or again, not nearly enough people. I think Heather's mm-hmm. point is really true. Like you have people going into CRM and, and that's great. And they have the basic, a lot of times they don't even have the basic skills, but even if they mm-hmm. have the basic skills, they don't have the skills to, to move forward. You know what I mean, Heather? It's like, yeah. you can be, they they can get on a field crew and work there or monitor or whatever, but those higher end skills, the the no, they don't. It's so hard. and we're finding yeah. less and less of it. Right. And so here's my second brag <laughs> for the spring. I'm starting a new CRM professionalism class, which I already have students in it and it's going. So this is where we're going to focus specifically on the law, report writing, all that kind of upper business echelon. side. The business yeah. side of things, yeah, the business, which is yeah. really the stuff. I, I feel like it's like the stuff they never taught me, you know. Yeah. So yeah. that's in terms of what's coming for 2023. Those are kind of two things that I'm excited about. Love it. You know, and that's super awesome. And I kind of wish I could take that class. But <laughs> that being said, Heather, uh, again, throwing it back to you just a little mm-hmm. bit. And this would obviously affect Andrew uh, and the students he's putting out into the world. You know, it's no secret because I've seen this on LinkedIn. I've seen it on um, I've seen it on uh, Facebook. So so I'm not blowing anything off the lid here. But Stantec is buying companies like it's their job. Mm-hmm. Right. Stantec is just buying everyone and not just in yeah. California, although they're buying a lot of California companies and not just archaeology either. They're buying bio, paleo. Sure. You know, yep. they're they're doing all kinds of stuff. So with with companies like that and you work for a pretty good sized company, too. I don't know if they're a Stantec sized company uh, globally. No. No. Yeah, I didn't think so. But still, they're not they're not too shabby, right? I mean, they're, right. they're a pretty good size. Now, well, we're intentionally I, we like. I think there's in some intentional intentionality, I guess. Yeah. To not being that. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Stantec as well as. Yeah. Stantec isn't just environmental field work. They build stuff right. too. I mean, they exactly. just they have they have all aspects of the of the uh, situation. Focused. That's mm-hmm. exactly yeah. yeah. Well, you're actually probably the kind of company maybe too big um, that Stantec may buy in the future or try at least. No, they, so no, we're, yeah. we're in ESOP. Yeah. Um, I don't. <laughs> yeah, and, It'd be hard for them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my point is looking into 2023. I mean, how does that impact work when you've got these big companies that's not just Stantec that's doing that there's other large com- firms out there that are multinational you know construction and engineering firms that just they don't want to contract out anymore to get the archaeology or the biology done they want to have right. it done in house so they can control that process so they're buying these companies that have the business the book of business for the area that they want to work in so they right. don't have to try to go get those contracts they're buying up people that already have them so how do you think that's going to impact your work? You know, it's driven by the client, by the clients. A lot of times, yeah, having a one-stop shop. They don't want to have to go around. They want to have sure. one company that takes care of them from start to finish. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. And then I think that you know we're just seeing. For for me, I think some people may disagree, but we have like this chasm now. So now we have these larger companies that they don't touch. They won't touch some of the work that I, that I do, that my company does, like it's too sure. small potatoes for them. So mm, I think that sense. when you have Stantec buying up these, these areas, now Stantec, now you have fewer people in that space 
that are willing to do these medium-sized projects. To me, they're larger projects, but to Stantec, they're not. And so I think the other thing is now, you know, maybe it leaves some, I mean, we have like when you're doing work, like let's say you some, just a mom, uh, a family's trying to do an addition, right. And they yeah. have to deal with the eight, the city that they live in to, in order to do that, to go through the process. Right. And maybe it mm-hmm. doesn't hit the level of a larger document. Right. But they do have to have an investigation done that. I think, you know, we are seeing these smaller companies kind of fall away, right. They're being bought up or people yeah. are just not getting into that space. And so I think that, that somehow that has to be answered. Mm-hmm. The, the the office that I run, I have no problem doing those smaller because it's a perfect training ground for sure. our younger, younger in their career uh, yeah. employees. So I'll, I'll take those where some of the offices in my same company won't even touch them because it's too, it's doesn't matter to them. It, it just depends on the region, but we still have some of these mom and pop people that are just working out of their house. But mm-hmm. I think, I'm thinking maybe that will come that will start increasing again. Maybe I don't, I don't know because otherwise in some areas, I don't know who's going to be doing that work. Who's going to yeah. do it. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. You know, that's, it's a uniquely California problem too, right? Because it's sequel that requires a lot of stuff, but you go to plenty of States where you don't have to have that kind of cultural environmental permitting to do something right. in your backyard. You still need like a permit, but the cultural aspect is not included. No. Right. Yeah, it's definitely a, a California centric. Yep, which is good. I'm glad. It means, yeah. means I, I'm, yeah, I've got job security. So yeah, well, it's a good place for that to be a law too, because in in a lot of California, you can work year round, uh, yes. pretty easily, and, and keep people yep. employed. I mean, not some parts, but you know, a lot of it. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's interesting. I'm interested to see where, where all that goes. And, you know, I remember saying a long time early on in my career that, uh, I wouldn't mind working for one of these larger firms one time. In fact, I worked for, I did a project, my wife and I, we were basically shovel bumming for a project up in Washington state one time, long time ago, before I got accepted to grad school even. And it was with AMEC. And AMEC isn't even AMEC anymore. I don't think they they've been bought out. Yeah. I can't remember what they are now. But um, it, and AMEC was a was a big firm. They had kind of a small presence in archaeology and CRM, but but a big you know one of those big firms. And I I kept thinking if my life was going a different way. In fact, they tried offering me a job as a well as a crew chief at the time. But that right as I was on that project, I got accepted to the University of Georgia for grad school. So I never ended up doing that. But I was like, man, after working for so many like smaller archaeology companies and just job to job and doing this different thing, I just want to work for a big company that can I can have one paycheck, one set of benefits, and Mm -hmm. they can fly me around and do different things if they want. Or they've got enough work regionally to keep me busy. It's just the whole the whole process of just, you know, applying for a job every two months was really starting to wear. And we'd only been doing it for like three or four years at that point. <laughs> but that, but, but as you move up that, that effort there is just replaced with business development. Like, which it, is as fine. You, yeah. yeah. That's still a secure paycheck though. Right. Like we may not have a paycheck next month yeah, that's because true. we can't find a yeah. job. You know what well, I mean? I don't know. I mean, like if you have a team, like I think I stay up at night, just like the person who stays up at night I guess it depends on the, maybe people don't, not everybody cares about other people, but for me, <laughs> I do, st- I stay up at night just like I did when I was a contract archeologist, just yeah. getting job to job to job. I stay up now at night, making sure that there's enough work, which has not yeah. been a problem recently, but that there's enough work that the people that are on my team can, can, can still have a living. So that oh, yeah. that's where my concern shifts. Yeah. It's stressful. I mean, I, I've had employees at several points in my career owning a company and, you know, a lot of times I, more often than not, I don't have employees, but sometimes I've had anywhere from either one to 10 employees, depending on the size of the project. And I'll tell you what, you're not really a, either a business owner or somebody like you, who's directly responsible for, you know, you, you your signature might not be on the checks, but you're responsible mm-hmm. for their livelihood based on yes. your work. Right. And if you're not, 
losing sleep at night worrying about payroll, then you're just not a compassionate person. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. And it's good that you're in the situation you're at now where you guys have got, you know, more work than you need. But that has its own level of stress, too. It's like now I got to find more people to do these things. And, you know, you don't want to lower your standards, so to speak, to yeah. bring more people in the door. But sometimes you might have to because you don't have anybody else. Yeah, well, I will say this problems. is for people looking for work. Uh, there's one thing that's taught me. I mean, not that I haven't learned it before, but even more so it's solidified in my mind. I really would rather hire somebody, number one, that's a, a nice person who's mm-hmm. right and and doesn't, it's not a jerk. <laughs> and number two <laughs> yeah. is trainable. I will yeah. under, I will under hire somebody with less experience if they're train if they're trainable and and a nice and a good person nice person i shouldn't yeah. say good person i'm not going to make that judgment on somebody but nice person to work with right and yeah. a nice addition to the team and that is key and so you know you can go and just speaking to people looking for work you can be the smartest person in the room but if you're not nice to work with and if you're not trainable i don't want yeah. you on my team and I've, I had learned the hard way. We've hired some people that said they had certain qualifications and they don't. And yeah. the, the worst thing in the world is having to let somebody go. Even if, even if they're not, a, not, a, they end up not being a nice person. It's still mm-hmm. a crummy thing to have to do. And also it's a waste of time. <laughs> you have wasted oh, yeah. all this time on them now. Yeah. You could have been brought somebody else in. So that would be the thing. My advice to people is like, Yes, focus on your skill set, but also focus on who you are as a person. Yeah, and I I can't speak to how to assess somebody's trainability or not because that is really tough. You know, just uh, there's questions you can ask in an yeah, interview for sure. Th- for sure, for sure. Yeah, but they can also, you know, there's people that can lie. pass yeah. a lie detector test too. I <laughs> know. Uh, <no. laughs> Trust, I we've been through that it, too. <laughs> Yeah. But to bring this full circle back to social media, I think personally that that is one thing that social media is good for, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or, you know, even uh, LinkedIn, something like that. You know, if you are if I'm if I'm hiring somebody, I do try to go look at their social media profiles. And if they don't have any, that kind of says something, too. Um, I, I don't know what that says right now. There's a lot of people bailing on a lot of social media platforms for various ethical reasons, not because they were kicked off. But if they are on their social media platforms, just trying to see what you can see, you know, from the groups that they're in and how they interact with people in those groups. I think just judging on the first 40 minutes of this podcast, it says a lot about a person, how they interact with people they don't know um, as keyboard warriors. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's uh, there's definitely two people that pop out in my mind, one on Twitter and one on Facebook that while highly qualified individuals in their own fields, I would literally never hire if mm-hmm. I if they're the last person on earth because of their yep. attitudes online. Don't and, don't say that too loud, Chris, yeah. because I want people to out themselves. <laughs> honestly, I don't want them True. to be more careful. Yeah. I'd like to know. <laughs> exactly. See, Although if we you're... censor too many of those comments, you'll never know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, to bring it full circle. So we just yeah, we take their rudeness point. away so nobody sees it. That was my point. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this has been uh, a great 2022 for the CR Mark podcast. We've, we've grown in numbers a little bit, which is great. We don't always grow in numbers because it's a finite number of people in this field. And mm-hmm. I feel like we've grown because the, the field has grown somewhat. Obviously, podcasting is getting more accepted as, as a thing people do. I mean, even just a couple of years ago, you could ask a field tech sometimes if they listen to podcasts and they might say no, but more often people, especially in this field are listening to podcasts and they're not. So thank you for that. And thank you for any comments you've left throughout the year. And I hope we have a, a great 2023 coming up. We've got some changes coming to the APN with our hosting service, which is going to mean some other changes that we can enact with that new hosting service and some other cool stuff coming down the line. So keep an eye on the space, but Aside from that, thanks, everybody, and we'll see you in 2023. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archpodnet.com slash podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website 
or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Support the show and the network at arcpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. Thanks, everyone, for listening this year. It's been fun, and here's to 2023. See you guys next time. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.